Hello, um, I'm Kevin Scott, one of the story architects of Star Wars The High Republic, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Genuine Chit Chat. This week, I'm joined by Alison Shelton and Elise McCall, the creators of the Reburn comic. So Alison actually appeared on episode 159 of Genuine Chit Chat. That was her first appearance on the show, and that's when she spoke to me about Reburn when I had read the first issue. This conversation is after I've read all four of the issues, and also we were joined by Elise McCall. So Alison Shelton is the creator and the writer for Reburn comic, and she created it with her producer and editor, Jessica Patel. However, Elise is the artist, so she did all of the artwork for the four issues and did the colour artwork in issue number one as well. So we have a much more well-rounded conversation in this collaborative effort by the two of them and we get to hear a lot more information about Reburn as a comic its process its artwork and a few things that are contained within it but we do not give any spoilers so if you've never heard of Reburn or you've never read Reburn it's perfectly fine this serves as a really good look into that as well as a good look into just how to collaborate and create things such as comics when there's more than just one person so it's a really, really good conversation. Both Alison and Elise gave some great information and insight into the creation of this comic. So there will be links in the description to everything, including to Reburn, into Alison and Elise's respective websites, their social media, as well as Alison's other appearances and things. So make sure you check out the show notes, as I always say. But that's going to be enough from me here at the start. So I'll let the conversation get going. And then at the end, I'll be back to tell yourselves what's coming up and a few other bits and pieces like that. And I just want to say thank you to everyone who's very patient with me last week because myself and Megan were very ill fighting off the flu. And so I couldn't release an episode. I think it's the first time I've missed one in years. Uh, But thank you so much for anyone who sent me some well wishes. It was massively appreciated. I feel fine now so we can all get back onto things. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Alison Shelton and Elise. McCall about Reburn. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we have honest conversations with interesting people, and I'm your host, Mike Burton. And I am joined today by two incredible individuals, one of which has come on the show before, and that is Alison Shelton, but the other person is a newcomer. And that is Elise McCall. I should have asked how to pronounce your surname. I hope I've done it right. You, you're Correct. nodding. Wonderful. Uh, I've done it before. I've completely mispronounced someone's name. Uh, but you two are uh, two individuals who are heavily involved with the comic Reburn, as in Alison is the creator and writer. And Elise, you did the artwork for it. And I believe you did the colours for the first issue as well, as well as some of the other uh, imagery around it. So you've both done an incredible job. Obviously, myself and Alison did speak about uh, Reburn previously. And I put a link in the description to that. And uh, that was kind of like an introduction to it and this will be after i've read all four of the issues now so it's very exciting and uh, focusing somewhat on at least a little bit more and uh, before we delve into all of those things let's get you both to introduce yourselves so we'll start off allison as the returning guest please introduce <laughs> yourself to anyone who has foolishly potentially not checked out your other appearance on genuine chit chat or your various other appearances off the comics emotion family which they i've been ar- i've been around thanks to you mike <laughs> and tanya um I'm Allison Shelton. I'm the writer and creator of the comic Reburn. I also write screenplays and essays, and I'm working on a memoir and essays right now that I'm working with Elise on some of that, which is super exciting. And you can find me on my website or on Instagram at by Allison Shelton. Wonderful. And Elise, please introduce yourself. I'm Elise McCall, and uh, I've 
uh, I'm a comic artist and painter and I do all sorts of, um, you know, commission freelance work. And I've been working with Allison on Reburn and multiple little side projects. It's amazing. And I recommend, I'll put links in the description, but check out Elise's website because I went on there uh, the other day to do a bit of research and I just end up looking through all the paintings and all the pictures and you, all your different variety of uh, artwork on there. So in itself, even if you do nothing else today, you know, I would re- recommend go out and you know check out Reburn because that's kind of part of the reason we were talking. But even if you don't do that, go check out Elise's website because it was I was just really blown away by a lot of the artwork. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Um, so let's delve into Reburn itself and then we'll kind of branch off somewhat from there uh so Alison, from your perspective i know you've said this before but if you could just elaborate why you start like where rebone came from why you started it and then how elise got involved and we'll kind of go from there um briefly yeah i wrote a screenplay first that this the comic book is inspired by and jess who's my business partner is a producer and she was like, what do you think if we made this into a comic book? And I thought that sounded really cool. I love comics. Uh, I had no idea how to do that. And she endeavored to find out. And she did. And the first part of creating a comic, well, the first part's the script, but then you need an artist. And so I made a list with my husband of different artists that we could potentially be interested in working with. And Elise was on that list. And um we reached out to her and she got back to us and then we spoke to her and uh, really from that first conversation, it was like, Oh, this is a match. Like you just sort of know we've talked about it since then, how we felt like we sort of like saw each other in some saw ourselves in each other in some way. Um, And we could feel that even from this first conversation. And so at least from your perspective, obviously you were just mind about your day doing cool paintings and stuff like that i know that you've obviously (laughs) written uh, you've done us some stuff for dark horse i've got a few lists here as well of some of the other things you've been involved with but you know aside from those things you're involved with kind of what happened when you got that contact from uh allison or from jessica what happened from you from there from your perspective yeah so they contacted me probably in well this is you know, great timing. It was late 2019. So um, I had just been wrapping up and starting on some new comics. So I had wrapped up Man Eaters Volume 3, you know, the last arc there, which I was brought on for my first, you know, debut. And then I was moving into doing um, Spy Island, which was going to be slated for early 2020. Um, And they kind of caught me right in the middle period between those two projects and, uh, you know, reached out and we uh, hopped on a, a video call. I don't even think this is the time, you know, like I have I have no idea. Yeah, it was like some old thing. So it was like, it's funny, we were already because we were all in different places around like, I think Jess was in Canada at the time. I think you were, you know, you're in LA area. And I'm like in Portland around, you know, the Pacific Northwest. So we're all like, you know, trying to do this collaboration. Um, and we just were starting really small with just a few pages, you know, with just briefly, like maybe just doing a little teaser, you know, you guys were still feeling it out and, you know, we were figuring out what we were going to do. Um, but I appreciated our, every time we got hopped on a call, we'd like, we'd, we'd talk a little bit about like what we were thinking of doing with the story and the art, but like we'd get into these long tangents about just, um, you know, kind of like social justice and topics like, you know, 
things that were happening in the world, things that we cared about. And it was just, they were really lovely conversations. And so I was like, well, this feels good. You know, like this feels like a nice, like I like these people and, you know, it's kind of rare that you find people that you can click with on that level and then feel like you can also then collaborate because it's really a vulnerable thing to collaborate with people. And um, yeah, so I was very excited. And then of course, you know, Fast forward a couple months, pandemic hits and it's, you know, chaos. But luckily we had already kind of started this process and we were like, what the hell? Let's do, let's do this. And, you know, we, we used that time that was, you know, pretty rough and traumatic, you know, around the world for everyone. Um, and decided to like make something. And that, that was really helpful for me. And, and me too. I don't know about oh, you. Definitely. Yeah. It got me through. I think in a lot of ways, having this collaboration um, and the conversations that went with that and, and, and stepping out of the, like you mentioned before we first started recording, at least stepping out of your everyday life into this sort of festival, that can see that from the things that we're actually living through. And uh, I definitely felt that way, like to have this place that I could take refuge meant a lot. Mm. Yeah, because like with myself, obviously, I this podcast had been going for about two and a half years at the time of the pandemic, and I just started a my second podcast, my Star Wars one. And me and Megan were saying, I was like, during lockdown, especially, we were just in a flat, so we were in a, a two bedroom flat. The only pet we had was a tortoise, who is we're still our pet. She's lovely, but you know, you don't quite get the same amount of affection as you do from like a dog or something. And Megan's a teacher, so she was doing a lot of online stuff. But for the first few months, it was just a mess. They were just like, just set work vaguely. And then so she'd be done after like two or three hours and just has to be available. And we're saying like with me podcasting, it was a way for me to actually talk to a variety of people, you know, that weren't just in my immediate circle. So I think that kind of the, it's not this simple and I don't want to downplay anyone who did really struggle through lockdown. But in my view, it was almost like, if you found a project or something during the lockdown, the pandemic, that sort of thing, it was much easier to deal with. Uh, Megan's project was Animal Crossing and then The Witcher 3, uh, which is great because I got into I got into Animal Crossing when I was in college. So I was like, when the game came out, I was like, Megan, I know of a game. She says, I'm not into games. I was like, you will be. And then, you know, cut <laughs> a couple months yeah. later and it's her life. Uh, but it's like having something to do, either call it busy work or podcasting, obviously creating a comic, which is quite major. Um, I will say as well, what I love about Reburn um, is at the back of the issues, uh, both physically or digitally, you get to see, A, there's the sort of the discussions between the two, or the three of you, you two and Jess as well, discussing like how the process was. But you also get to see, um, I think it was an issue two, that you get to see Elise's kind of, um, well, Elise's and also Hillary's involvement as well, of the drawing process. You get to see the penciling, then the inking, then the colours, and then the letters as well. Um, I do apologise, I didn't write down the name of the person who is the letterer of Reburn. Joel Met. There we go. Joan Metgill. Yeah, she's really awesome too. Apologies for missing out. Um, but I tried I tried to do my notes as best as I could. But You're yeah. doing great. <laughs> Thank you. But with Reburn itself, so after you sort of had started the process and things, and once things started to get going, did you find, obviously with you, Elise, you were doing the inking, the penciling, and sorry, the, the yeah, penciling and, and inking, and then also the colours for that first issue. Had you done uh, colours before? Because I know with certain artists, you get ones who usually just do 
one or the other. But with yourself, have you had experience doing all of it? And like, how did you find that process? And obviously, it's a lot of work. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I um. So I have experience doing the whole shebang, you know, like I can even letter comics and, you know, do colors and um, inking and the whole thing. But it's a really labor intensive process. And I'm really glad that we did it for issue one, though. I feel like it's nice to see it all together, you know, as you know, and, and it was exciting to do it. Um, But yeah, and you see and it's it's just really challenging to keep that energy going and actually get something done because, Mm -hmm. you know, the pipeline process of a comic exists because, you know, you wouldn't get any, it would take forever um, to get something completed. Um, So I could kind of feel myself like after that first issue being pretty like, Oh, you know, like tired, a little burnt out on, on it because it would, pretty much take me like a month to do the letter to do the line work you know so the thumbnails pencils inks get that whole thing approved and then it would take like another month to color it for me um so we we decided to you know i I brought it that to allison and jess being like you know could we potentially uh you know bring one else in to help with this collaboration and this process this part of the process and uh it turned out that um Hillary was available and that that was really she's really great you know and she and I appreciate about her that she's a lot kind of like like me she has a painterly background you know she does these beautiful like gouache paintings of nature and such and like I'm all about that and so um, I feel like her what she brings to my ink and line work is very much what I would bring with my own you know my own work so it's it's cool to see but it is different, you know, and it's cool to see how somebody else interprets your lines or a gesture I might make. Mm. Yeah, because like with reading them, like I obviously knew that from the second issue, the color artist was different from yourself. But if you really look, you can tell there is a degree of difference. But it like to compare it, I've read a lot of Star Wars comics and then like the artist changes and then immediately it's like this character looks completely different. And with the color artist, it does have that effect to a degree. Um, obviously, it's not quite as an obvious thing, but a lot of the time you'll be reading the comic and be like, oh, suddenly the color palette is much nicer and brighter and things. But with I found that what Hillary did was she managed to, as you say, she mirrored your style of what you did in that first issue. And as a reader, you don't, it doesn't bring you out of it. And that's, I think, one of the things when you have... So, so like bands or music, if you change a member or you add someone in, unless there's an integral reason for that, you know, if it changes something, some people can find it a little bit jarring. But with this, I found that it was so smooth and it didn't feel that way at all. So I think that the collaboration between obviously yourselves and also Hillary bringing her in after the fact, it worked very well. And I want to ask Elise as well, obviously not only, a lot of people don't realise or maybe don't consciously think this, but when you are an artist, especially for a new uh, piece of intellectual property, you have to create all the characters. It's not, you know, when you do something for like Star Wars, it's quite easy. You do a Han Solo story, everyone knows who Han Solo is or Chewie or whatever. When you create a whole new thing, not only do you have to actually do what we see in the comic, but also there's a whole other layer of like concept art and things like that. So I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about the process between you and Alison of actually creating the characters in themselves like maybe um, Alison if you could start off saying did you have a pretty good idea of how certain characters would look like and then how you fed that to Elise I'd love to hear about that process uh it was so much fun (laughs) I loved it uh because 
uh, lots of times I write screenplays and it's in my head and then maybe make like a pitch, but it's not the same, you know, this is a very different thing. Um, and so, yeah, I had lots of ideas, but I wasn't like married to those ideas. It wasn't like, it has to be like this or hair has to be like that. You know, we created Pinterest boards and just loaded things in there and went back and forth. And, and I think that if I didn't already know that we had a lot of the same sensibilities, I definitely would have at that point because um, you're, you are, like you say, you're creating people out of nothing. I mean, like there's no, <laughs> there's no reference um, because you don't want them to look just like somebody else. Um, it's not like I'm like, Hey, she looks like this. He looks like, you know, they look like a combination of all these things. Um, and I mean, I've said it many times, but like the first time Elise sent me art, I started crying because it's just like, I felt so seen. I was like, oh my, because it's a very surreal thing to create things from your brain, particularly when you struggle with maybe feeling like, you know, like imposter feelings or like, who are you anyway? Like, why do you need to create anything? Like, just keep doing what you're doing. Um, so then when you got things, someone else, you don't know. I, mean, I didn't know Elise before this collaboration gets it. Like I wrote it. So she gets it. It's, it's the most validating. It's incredibly, <laughs> I, I can't really like describe it. It's, it was, it was unbelievable. It continues to be unbelievable. But that, I mean, obviously that first time was like, Whoa, look at this. This is awesome. This is a world full of people that have only lived in my imagination. And then for you, at least like, had you created characters from scratch before and if so, like, how was this different? Like, tell us a bit about that process. Yeah. I mean, we, I, with friends, you know, for a while would do like tabletop role-playing games, you know, like D&D or GURPS and these, uh, and we would like create these stories. And every time we'd create our own, like, you know, D&D characters, I'd get like so excited and passionate about them and draw them out or an, and work with my friends. And, you know, I felt like that was really formative for me to then be able to uh, figure out how to find a character's face, you know, how to find who they are and make them an original character. Because like you said, you know, like you could do Star Wars and it's like, you know, maybe you have 10 years of experience doing fan art for Han Solo. So when it comes to actually, you know, if you get hired to draw him, it's like, you know, you've been preparing your whole lifetime for it. You know, it's like, it's not the same for original, you know, content. You, you, you're like, I just met this person and I have to figure out who they are and what they look like. And uh, I think that it was interesting in that process. I felt like some of the it's almost like the side characters and some of the like more, um, you know, passing characters that they they were the easier ones to find the image of. But it was actually our main character protagonist, May, who was, you know, took the longest. And it makes the most sense because that's kind of been true. I found with a lot of series I've worked on and with people, it's like because they're going to be with person through their point of view throughout the whole story it's like there's so much more um like there's more in their face you need to get it right you know and it it we did lots of iterations until we kind of found the image and it emerged naturally and then the other thing with comics is that it's a iterative process as you make an issue each time so i feel like i it's you know by the fourth issue it's like i finally feel like i locked in their everyone's appearances and it was like it's so gratifying to see because you know like the first issue it's still kind of like 
finding, you know, sometimes different angles and being like, is this quite right? Is this, it's not quite there, but you know, you're moving through it. And uh, I remember, you know, like if you've read Saga, you know, with Fiona Staples and Brad K. Vaughn, um, Fiona Staples talks about this and, you know, and her first issues of Saga being like, oh, you know, like hard for her to look at because she's still finding her the the characters and figuring out who what their facial features are but you know like by issue 50 she knows and it's there so i kind of i felt that you know evolution and especially as we get to see more of the characters interacting and that really came out in issue number four when there's these like big conversations happening with like you know what seven eight ten people i don't you know it feels like a lot to me when i'm drawing it Uh course yeah it's funny as you mentioned saga i personally have not yet read it it's on my list because uh someone i had on the show last week well the release the episode that got released last week um was actually which will be out by the time that the audience hears this uh, was with someone called ada and ada is also mm-hmm. someone who was on the fringe of comics emotion and has been grabbed by one of us and just pulled in and now doing lots of collaborations in fact i believe that allison yeah, I, I you that. you guys did podcasts yeah. together i think for ms yeah. marvel and mm-hmm. she got introduced to the comics emotion family because she spoke about saga on tony's show indie comic spotlight and it's weird that i spoke to her or I released the podcast with her literally a couple of days ago and you mentioned that so it's on my list don't you worry um but i want to ask um specifically and this is kind of a niche thing and i need alison or well, both your permission i've got a there's a uh two a two page spread um from issue two it's on page 10 it's the bar scene i was gonna lift up because there's one character there that i want to ask about that i i'm pretty sure i know what it is i think but i, I want to double check because i don't want to you know show off your work to people on youtube or whatever but well, i want to say I'm can okay i sh- with it how yeah. about you Elise? Yeah. yeah brilliant he's not gonna like read it <laughs> no 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 i'm not gonna I'm, I'm <laughs> that's not gonna, when hey, it's guys, an issue <laughs> tune into comic uh, tune into genuine chit chat where the next episode i'm gonna read through i've got an ipad just scrolling right. through it. so on on the ipad there's a character oh. you probably won't be able to see it there we go uh let's see this character here Oh, she got. Uh, so I've I've got my thing mirrored, right? To me, mm-hmm. right? She's a very cool looking character. I the interpretation I've got of that because she doesn't appear anywhere else, to my knowledge. I didn't think she, she did. Does not. She I, does not. Is she an amalgamation between either the two of you or you and Jessica? Because that's oh, I love that. But that's no. what I got. Uh, that's I I was like that. She seems out of place. She's reading a book. She's looking at the camera. There's a cat on her shoulder. She doesn't appear in any other scenes or anywhere else. So I was just I wrote down. I was like, there's got to be something else to that. Is there, there is something else to it, but it's not that. Okay. May I it's ask more, what it it's is? It's more economical than, than you think. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And our first Kickstarter, one of our tiers was to be drawn into issue two. And that ah. is one of our draw-ins. And so we got pictures from them. There are four yeah. runs. Yeah. And um, and then you also drew in like a bonus one that was just Jess's husband. Um, he's in there. And uh, so it's her. I can't oh. think of her name right now, but she loves her cat. And, um, and, yeah, and all the she's like, really great, to be honest. I love them. Yeah, no. And she's a, I mean, like, because she's like a teenager. And then yeah. there was like, I think there was literally like a young kid, you know, who somebody wanted oh, their yeah, kid yeah, to be yeah, drawn into it, yep. you know. Yep. And then, mm-hmm. you know, like, it's a pretty diverse, like, you know, group yeah. of people I got to draw <laughs> in, you know. But yeah. this is something that actually is done a lot in um, the comics industry is to bring 
uh, to help with the funding because it's really, you know, can be rough to for, for comics. Um, but the, and I've had to, I've done this before too, like in, uh, in man eaters that where a drawn character, um, is, is brought in and in man eaters, it was really funny. We had a drawn that became a main character. So that oh, was, wow. that's, yeah, that's fun. Um, but, but it's nice with, uh, with reburn in that particular issue, you know, that was a really great opportunity to do drawings and they make them feel pretty cool because it's like you get this big, big double page spread, you know, and like there is something a little maybe like cheeky about having that character like looking and, you know, being like self-aware. But, you know, it's it's to thank them for for supporting. I loved it. Yeah. I, when I when I was looking at the artwork, you know, I love a double page spread me and being, you know, my other podcast all being about Star Wars is all about like minor characters. That's one of the ways stars became so massive is because every bloody character's got a name and a backstory and stuff. So when I read comics, especially because my whole show is about trying to find things people may not have picked up in their original read of the comic, I'm always scouring for background characters to be like, who do I recognize? So when I was reading this, obviously, she immediately stood out to me and I was like, oh, and especially the, the the side eye a little bit. And I was like, I feel like that's significant. And then I continued reading and I was like, she doesn't appear again in this issue because I just read till they kind of leave the bar area. Uh, and then I was like, I couldn't see her appear again. So she's clearly not a major character. And I do not, I, I didn't recall her coming up uh, subsequently. So obviously she's still that kind of backgroundy character and things, but it was, it was something that I really, I was like, I need to remember. I was like, I know I'm going to get wrapped up in this conversation. I was like, it's one of the one things. I was like, it's a mystery. And I didn't want to just message and ask because that's boring. I want to ask on here. So it's, it's really sweet that when you have a collaborative project such as this, especially one that was funded on Kickstarter or rather in, in several Kickstarters, that is, it's amazing that, you know, you get the the crowd interaction as you would with other mediums, but you really get to personalize it. And obviously with yourself at least doing a fair amount of commission work, that's in your wheelhouse, isn't it, really, I imagine? Being able to do like these kind of things, you were like the perfect person for this job before you even realized you were. Like Almost your, your artistic career has kind of been building up in a lot of ways because all the different skills you've got from doing the variety of things you've done with uh, the Dark Horse or the commissions and things, they've all kind of culminated to make it the, the perfect formula for this. So I just well, want to the, say I love it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's very generous of you to say thank you. I, I mean, like, because it can be hard, you know, when you're a creative in any field, really, it being like, does is any of this going to like come together? Because you know, I it's like I've evolved a lot of these skills over many years, but it feels kind of like, um, it's like for to what end, right? Because creativity sometimes it doesn't have the most obvious uh, purpose in life, mm-hmm. uh, but I still find it meaningful and purposeful regardless of that yeah um and you know like with those drawings it's like that's a great example like who doesn't like to see themselves get drawn you know like i (laughs) this has been true since i was like learning how to be an artist and draw is that like the moment i tell people like oh i draw or like they see me doodling in my sketchbook they're like you want to draw me can you draw me why don't you draw me you know it's really um it's a i think it's you know i don't see it as a vain thing either i think people just it makes it's a different kind of thing to be to be drawn and to be um, to, to see things that you've even created, like Alan was talking about earlier, something that's so precious to you, you know, um, be depicted by somebody else. It, it's a different level than a photograph because photographs are so fast. We move through them really quickly. We don't like spend as much time with them as say like drawings or paintings or illustrations, whatever kind of creative work. And when you see somebody, you know, taking the time 
to look at that, it, it you know that it's kind of special in, in a different way. Hmm. Yeah, I agree completely with that. And while we're still on the uh, parts of speaking about the, the sort of um, some of the artwork, there's one other piece that I want to uh, question you, you two about. It's from issue one. Uh, it's when May gets her memories back. Um, so, you know, in that regard, there's some panels on there that I just want to ask about, which if you're willing, this will be the last one, I promise you. I'm not going to just show everything from all of it. But because it was issue one, I will as- assume, as you're both nodding as well, I can show this one part. I just want to ask, A, I want to say the artwork looks incredible, so beautiful. I want to showcase that. I want to showcase Isn't that. Isn't it beautiful, yeah. that oh, moment? Oh, man, when Elise so, sent me that, I was blown away. It's just for the listeners, I just yeah. think, it, it's, and obviously this is with glare, with an iPad and everything like that. But I want to ask uh, yourself or yourselves, with these little sort of images here, was that, did you, Alison, say, yeah, I want 12 blocks and in each one it needs to be this specific thing? Did you give at least more creative freedom? Like, it's a question I'm kind of asking both of you and I don't know who's got the answer, but like, how much of that was you, Alison, as a writer and how much of it was Elise as a sort of almost a, uh, almost a translator to, to ink in a way? I mean, I have a list of things because they are things that have happened. They are her memories. So I did like, this is the moment in the script that she does get these memories back in it. But I didn't have boxes. Like, I didn't know how it would come to life. And it was a question that we talked about. Like, how is this going to work? How do you imagine it? So it was definitely completely a collaboration and, um, and how she placed them so that they all feel related but also they pop you know it doesn't feel like oh this is a bunch of stuff that's all the same and I can't engage with it you know the way that it came together it feels like you can focus in on each individual memory which I think is incredible as a reader that is what I did um, but at least I think as to add to that sort of process of that memories part because that's like the central that's the pivotal moment arguably the entire series but definitely of that first issue when that happens that's that's the hook that's when you finish the issue that's the moment that makes you go i need to know everything else about this you know there are quite a lot of hooky moments but for me as a reader that was the moment it was like the oh shit moment so what if you could tell us a bit about that part really yeah well i'm i mean you the fact that you read that and knew that moment being so important i felt the same way when i read the script and i was like oh my gosh like we really got to give this um a good amount of space and i felt like comics was a perfect you know uh space to show this because you know you can layer panels on top of each other you can um kind of get creative with how you show time and space and so i was like what better way than to uh, show all of her memories then instead of having like a whole extra page dedicated to being like oh here's this here's this here's this instead like show it like kind of small like consuming her surrounding her you know as it's like coming back to her and we get to see these like glimpses that are all just visual like we don't know what the specifics are but they kind of are trying like i felt like they were that um hint at more you know because we weren't even sure if we were going to do more than issue number one you know at that time it's like the again it was like contingent on the funding and the moment and so it was like i thought that we needed to at least show so that however allison and jess decided to use this comic later that there's a lot that could be hinted at you know if you want to like or some sort of other um you know future projects with it so people know like there's a lot more to this world and i knew this because talking to allison we would have these long talks about like this deep i mean you wrote a screenplay 
this deep world. And-, and a lot of the screenplay is not in the comics, which is also something I feel like I never share, but it's true. Like a very small slice of the screenplay appears in this. It expanded in a completely different way than it did in a screenplay. It, it leaned into being a comic book. I didn't try to just make the screenplay a comic book. It's just the same character in the same world, but it is definitely embracing the form of comic. And hearing you say that about the memories, Elise, it's so true. Like it is, it's a perfect use of the medium there. Yeah. And I I think as well with it is that like, I I knew that it came from screenplay because we spoke about it before, but I wasn't aware of how much of it or how little of it in a sense had become the comic or translated into that and when you get um like i've got some questions really wanted me to ask two questions of yourself <laughs> which is gonna be the next one because they connect um but one of the things like when uh oh let me try i immediately as soon as i said ria i lost my train of thought and i just imagined <laughs> her going femme on film because i just, whenever <laughs> i when she was starting that show she did she did a little dance when she first was doing a femme on film i messaged her the other day saying it was stuck in my head in a loop and now curse you you've done it to me again um but when we were talking about it um about reburn and things with the screenplay element she there's a mention of like what hasn't been mentioned and that you've kind of let the reader there's certain things you haven't explicitly told the reader and i think with that memory uh memory board let's call it with that a memory panel memory board it was like the certain parts were like hinting to what kind of uh, life may has led, which obviously is the the clear skin surface level of what this means. But when you delve deeper into each panel, they can each tell a story of what the reader is interpreting. And some of the elements do get uh, mentioned or referenced in later comics, but some don't because not everything has to be. And so that links in to the question from Rhea. So um, she did ask, how did Elise bring Alison's ideas to life, sort of the process? But we've kind of gone over that. Uh, so I'll just give a thumbs up and say, thanks, Rhea, you're too late. Um, but the other thing specifically, um, this paraphrasing, because she wrote it in quite a big paragraph, was why slash how did Alison uh, decide to leave some of the story out and to, and this is quoting Rhea, to treat the audience with its intelligence? So, you know... Thanks, Rhea. Yeah, thanks, Ria, for that. Yeah, nice appreciate it. But please, yeah. yeah, let us know how you kind of, what the process was of what you want to include and didn't, and yeah, treating the audience with respect, really. That's nice. Um, well, Elise and I, we've we've all talked about this quite a bit, um, but it, it was important to me. I didn't really want to write a story about living through trauma. You know, like I didn't really want to sit with May while she um, is treated with terrible like i mean she what she's lived through when we show up what she's been living through for years has has been hell and i didn't want to do that um and at least talked about it in in our comments before the podcast about how how do we talk about these things that are meaningful to us like trauma and healing and um revenge and in a way that is entertaining i think entertaining is kind of minimizing it minimizing it but um like how do we engage people in it and in a way that it's meaningful to them and also myself like i I sort of decided when i came back to writing after taking time off i wasn't that interested in making things that i wouldn't enjoy reading like i didn't want to just do something because it felt important or serious or marketable or whatever whatever word i was choosing i wanted to do things that were meaningful and entertaining and so I don't feel like I've seen as many stories about what do we do now? Okay. So this was terrible. We can all accept that this was awful, but what now? 
Um, I was interested in a story about a woman who's trying to put it all back together, who's trying to not repeat past mistakes, who's trying to rewrite her life um, in a way, in a woman who has superpowers and can could potentially just do whatever the fuck she wants. <laughs> unlike, unlike us, you know, I can't go into a place and just, well, I could just murder everyone. And that's what it is. You know, it's, but she's done that. She's done that. So what's she going to do now? And I think that that is, um, to me, it's a fascinating question because I think we all sort of accept this cliche, you know, um, if you have unchecked power, then, then, you know, it's no good. Like you're going to, you're going to be corrupt. That's what it is. But, but what about, what if, what if you're not, what about if you're incredibly powerful and you're thoughtful and you've learned something and you want to be different? What then? Yeah. I and I mean, like going off of that, I feel like, you know, it, it even says like even being the most powerful version of yourself, I feel like we sometimes are, are we have our own barriers. So like even with superpowers, would you really be able to overcome everything in your life? Because it's not really about how powerful, how much you have, how um, like rich or sexy or whatever you are, you know, it's about um what what are you still dealing with? So it's like I kind of find that kind of nice about May is that yes, she has superpowers. Yes, she could do all these things, but she's still like dealing with just pain, you know. And that can, that's like true of all of us. Like, sure, I could maybe go do whatever I wanted. Like, I could live and whole new life. But like, you don't just think that you're considering, you're holding back, you're you're you have responsibilities or people in your life. And that that's kind of more real to me. Yeah. And it's like and I, I won't spoil anything else that happens in Reburn either I'll clarify, but there's one sort of uh, exchange uh that May has, I believe it's with Mercy. And it's it's to paraphrase it's kind of like, oh May, you need to help us with this revolution. And she's like I don't give a shit. I've got my kids I need to focus on. And I feel like that kind of moment, and I'm paraphrasing, it's written far more eloquently than that. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not a writer. I know what moment you're talking about, though. So you did a great <laughs> job of paraphrasing. But that sort of moment, I remember a staircase as well. Um, it's it's one of those moments where, when I read that, I was like, that that kind of, I think, it speaks to what you, you were both saying. Is like, you could be given superpowers, but if you are a thoughtful individual, if you've got other priorities, you can't just go, well, screw myself, screw my life, screw my family. I'm just going to go fight a war and just become a martyr because I can. Like, that's not what being a human is about. And I think that this comic is, what it shows is you can have these powers. And yeah, what happens if you're a thoughtful, truly good person with the powers? Well, people are probably going to try and take advantage of you and try and get rid of those powers. What if you can overcome that? You've got to deal with the fallout of what just happened to you. You've got, you've got the power to take back elements of your own life but as shown in this comic just because you know if you lose something and then you find it again you're not just magically healed immediately i think the um the term i've i've or the 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 metaphor i've kind of heard is like you know if you break a plate and then you glue it all back together the plate isn't as it was it's it's a different object it's it's different and so it's kind of that idea of yeah if you are away from your family without supporting anything if you're away from your family for a, a period of time that's not your choosing and then you come back to them it's not suddenly like oh cool well everything's perfect now let's move up let's continue where we left off it, it's nowhere near that simple and i think that as you both have said and as with the conversation with uh, alison Pryor, this comics especially but also superheroes um or superpowers 
are a great way for one to tell a story without that being, in air quotes, the narrative. You know, you can tell a story of someone doing something, but that's not what it means. You know, that's not the point of it. It's reading between the lines. And I think that, you know, with both obviously Alison's writing, but also at least your your artwork, that it's married the two things together of it tells you just enough about this part of the story and just about enough about that. Like something which I know is quite common in in comics, but I just want to say as well that I appreciate in this, is just the facial expressions. Is it something that's I think very underrated and underappreciated, especially for those who don't really read comics, is like in so many panels of this, especially in the last two issues, um, you know, where there's a, a lot of dialogue heavy parts, which are very important, but the things that convey certain elements aren't necessarily what is being said. It's how they are reacting to the thing. Or when they're saying something, you know, you can say one set statement and have two completely different facial expressions, and then the statement means completely different things. So, yeah, the I'm not really asking a question. I'm just kind of saying how much I appreciate those elements. I wonder if you guys have any thoughts on it. <laughs> Her facial expressions are incredible. I, I completely agree. And it's like, it is underappreciated. I think it's one of those things you don't know how much you love it till it's missing. Mm. You know, you're reading a comic and you're like, I don't really know what's going on. <laughs> like these words are good. and I'm into the story, but like, I'm not really sure about like how any of this is hitting any of the characters, you know, because you can't make everything explicit with words because that's not the way life works. You know, like you don't, when someone hurts your feelings, say that really hurt my feeling. You know, I mean, maybe if you're a certain kind of person, but not always. And, um, um, and, and I think when you are in a, in a comic like that, it pulls you out of it because you're very aware of what you are trying to make happen with your own brain. Um, this, I think, because Elise is so talented, it's not only facial expressions, it's the way the bodies are positioned, the way they are in relationship to each other, you know, like so much is to, because what's really interesting about making a comic and part of the reason we have like process in the back of the issues and why we made process packets for the issues was because Jess and I learned all of this. We didn't know. I mean, I'd read comics for years and my husband knows a lot because he's read comics forever. But the experience of writing something, then having thumbnails, then having pencils, then having inks and colors, and finally letters, it's, you have, all of it has to work. You can't just be like, well, eventually this will make sense when the words are in there. <laughs> you know, like that's, you're, you're digging yourself a hole if you are thinking that way. So it's like, as all each piece had to make sense. And really the comic makes a certain amount of sense without the words as it should. We should know what it is. We should know like, Hey, these people aren't very happy with each other. Hey, these people are in love. You know, it shouldn't be, the words should not make it all come together and make sense. So Elise is so talented and Hillary with the way that she colors that we feel it. And I think for me, when a comic is successful, we feel it. And then the words validate us. They tell us more, they intrigue us, but they don't make us feel it. If the words are making us feel it, I think something's missing mm. personally. Yeah. Cause it's like, why, why make a comic then? You know, you could write a novel, right? right. Like if it's just about the words, you know, it can just be that. But with the, I think the beauty of comics is that it is that marriage of words and, and image. And uh, I think that's part of it too. Like I've talked about it with some people in the past of like a lot of comics you've seen like the nineties, they would oftentimes write 
just pretty much write exactly what was happening in the yeah. panel. And you're like, well, what's the point then? You know, like, you know, we, it, it's not really, you know, you could just have one or the other and it neither contributes or adds anything else. And the exciting part is when there is something said or there's words that may um, surprise you with the image you're being presented. And I think that happens a lot with May because we see her in these like beautiful idyllic scenes. We see this like wonderful nature. We see these like magnificent sci-fi landscapes, you know, whether it's her in her, the bunker or in the, in the cities and all the while what you would be like, Oh wow, that's really luscious and beautiful. Then you get this like context where you're like, Ooh, there's like a, you know, like it's that dystopic vibe that's present throughout the whole story. Mm. it's almost like with comics it, this is a very vast oversimplification but it's kind of how when yourselves were talking i've kind of thought about this almost like a, a formula and it's almost like the words in some ways illustrate kind of like a spark of something and then the the artwork itself is kind of the reaction to that thing and then the color is almost the overlaying mood almost overemphasizing things so if you've got you know blah 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 is dead that's the the spark then you've got the characters all looking shocked and that's like oh they weren't expecting that and then you've got this uh color palette lacking any saturated colors it's all just grays and you're like oh this is bleak whereas if you tweaked you know elements of that the whole thing becomes different so it's almost like um i think like a v kind of going out in a sense whereas the the text is yeah a smaller part but the rest of it has to somewhat bounce off the text or the screenplay really you know what's what's written before going into the production of the thing is the artists have to know what this thing is doing to everyone you know it's like with uh you know when you make movies and things like that although i've never i've never made a professional movie and things uh and stuff so allison's gonna have a lot more experience in this than i so i'm just gonna be talking nonsense again but it's almost like you know <laughs> someone who's behind the camera the director of photography or people like that like that is, has an impact. They're all just, I think in a movie, there's so many different moving pieces that all kind of culminate together. And in comics, there are, and it is a collaborative project. But I think with movies, it's kind of like um, almost one one or a few people at the helm and others being a team. Whereas with a comic, is a lot more, some of the other uh, authors and comic artists I've spoken to, it is that thing where it's like, if you don't have that communication down, the whole thing will spiral because you've just got these disjointed parts and where there's, primarily four aspects which is words art colors and text if one thing is off that's minimum a quarter of this whole thing immediately is wrong or jarring and if you have that consistently you've just got this thing where it's like a car that won't start properly it's like yeah the car's kind of moving forward a bit but it's juddering and things and this isn't how it should go so it's just further illustrating the importance of communication and collaboration in a good setting and the fact that yourselves like understand each other and you both kind of knew what you were going for like Alison when you were pitching Reburn to or we knew Jess were pitching Reburn to Elise obviously the the story itself um is I don't want to say simple but I think easy to grasp maybe of the broad strokes of it but the in sort of the minutiae of it the the story that you're telling beyond the narrative did you convey that to Elise in sort of the first conversations yourselves were having i'm just intrigued by the process kind of more specifically about the the things that aren't so clear if you kind of know what mm -hmm. i'm getting at mm -hmm. like the subtext yeah the so, there you go one word easy um, uh, 
I, I would say that we did. Well, we had the issue one script and I think we had an art um, outline, which completely, it totally changed, but we did, ha- I did have those materials. And I was going to say that in that first conversation with Elise, um, because, you know, I was new to this. So there is a part of me that's like, I don't know, like, I think this is good. My husband likes it. He reads a lot of comics, just likes it. I like it. Um, but Elise was like, oh, you know, I've really responded to your script because something actually happens. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you'd be surprised at how much like it can be like people write stuff in comics and it's like, wh- what was the point of that? You know, like, but, you know, so Allison's very much direction, uh, action fo- focused and moving things and having like arcs in mind. And it's like that that's a, a really useful for a creative like me, because, you know, I it's about moving characters through a space through time and how to, how are we going to get to places rather than almost being stuck in just one, one mm-hmm. space, you know, sometimes it, it's like my least favorite thing is to draw like characters just stuck in a single room, you know, with just a white box. It's like, uh, what's again, it, it kind of comes back to that. What's the point of it being a comic? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. And so then we, Talk, we definitely talked about the subtext up front. That's why the elevator pitch is always so hard for me. That's been a struggle for me as a writer in general, because I think most stories on the surface are pretty simple. Like that's the nature of stories, right? They're only whatever, 10 or so different ones in the end. Like, And so I think oftentimes pitches or they, they latch onto these kind of superficial things. Like obviously it's like, oh yeah, she has superpowers. That's a big deal, but it's also this journey that she's going to go on and it's all, and there's twists and like there's reveals, but I can't say all that because then it won't be exciting when it happens when you read it. So um, I at least knew all that up front. Like everything that happens in the arc that is of consequence, twist-wise, and that was in all of our designs. And like, I mean, it wasn't like later, I was like, hey, how about this? You know, like we knew <laughs> that was happening. None of that changed. It was how it happened that changed. And I think that grew out of our collaboration. And after the first issue, um, it's funny that Elise mentioned the Back Matter and Saga because I also read the Back Matter and Saga. And Brian K. Vaughn talks about how working with Fiona Staples, like how he just would get to the point where he would be like, but what do you like to draw? Like, what are your favorite things? And and I started doing that with Elise because it's like, well, why wouldn't I want her to draw all the things she loves to draw? Like, this is a world I'm making up. So I can do that. I can put everything she loves in this world pretty much. And um, and so that's what we, that was something we talked about and we did in subsequent issues. So that did change the way things unfolded um, for the better because it was like, I, he talks about specifically like the spaceship and how that grew out of what she loved to draw. And the spaceship is so fantastic and memorable and singular. And um, I just always, I feel like, I just feel so grateful for my collaboration with Elise and for what we've created because, um, because it, it feels like this thing that's organic to us. Like we're both in it. And I think that's important. And um and powerful. Like when you feel the artist in the work, I respond to it more. And so I endeavored to include all of us in the work as much as possible. And do you have anything to add to that, Elise? 
No, I mean, like, I feel that same way. And I mean, I really appreciated Allison because she did have that very collaborative mindset going into it. And I feel like both her and Jess, you know, come from this background of film and the knowledge of film. And that's something that's really, uh, you know, my husband's studied film, too. And the the biggest thing in it is like not every, almost all people who are in a film like most of them are not directors, you know, are not going to be the director, you know, so it's like, it's about working as a team being, you know, adaptive, adaptive, you know, and ready to, you know, uh, bounce off of each other. And if you are coming into a collaboration with too much, like, um, holding on and feeling too much preciousness about something, it's like, it's gonna, uh, you're gonna have a hard time. It's going to be really a painful process, you know, and, and I never, felt that at all in this collaboration because um with that experience i feel like you have uh allison um it it makes it so easy to like bring ideas to the table or to like work things out or if there's something that's like not working that like you know we can kind of be like yeah this feels weird doesn't it it's like yeah okay well let's just cut it you know like it's no big deal you know and that's kind of um it's like like letting go of that preciousness of of things and being ready to just serve the story as best you can. Mm, That's so well put. That's so, so true about the preciousness. And I think when you're young or when I was young and when I was in my MFA, there was a lot of like that preciousness was confused with authorship. Mm -hmm. And um, that, that if you are precious with every piece, it's because you understand its value. And I have always kind of been on the other end of things. And that was seen by certain people as weakness, you know, like, oh, well, she's not so sure because she's not fighting for every single thing. And it's like, yeah, but no story is every single thing in it essential. Like if your story can only be told one way, I got problems with it, you know? So, but I, it's, it's nice to hear you say that because I think, definitely carried that with me for a long time like well should I be more like fighting to the death for every single thing um and then I just didn't care (laughs) (laughs) I'm now old enough that I'm like well I'm not gonna fight to the death for every single thing and that's how I'm gonna be so if people have a problem with that then so be it yeah it's 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 all about obviously it's the balance you know there are some core elements of reburn that you that were integral to the story you were telling but yeah Mm -hmm. it takes someone who needs to be sort of switched onto your uh your wavelength in a way to be kind of on your level speaking like on par and being able to understand where you're going with something and then what elements can be changed and what things clearly cannot be and obviously Mm -hmm. with this collaboration that worked but also with like i've spoken to certain creative individuals who are very rigid in what they create and they don't allow others to change and there are there are certain things get created that work that way and that's fine you know people different creatives do work in different ways but for my limited experience and the stuff that i've created in the past i used to make music videos for bands and i used to have a youtube show with a friend and all kinds of other stuff it's i often find that normally the times when you are the most rigid with ideas i mean even if i link it to like podcasting if i have my notes and if i'm like i need to ask and this was like at the beginning these 10 questions have to be asked i've written them down a bit of paper Okay, what I need to ask them now. What happens to that ink that gets wasted on that paper? Nothing is the answer. No one cares. Um, but early on, I was trying to make sure any conversation I'd have, put this bit in. Any creative thing, if I had an idea for a music video, I'd be like, this thing's cool. It's like, well, it's horrendously impractical and would take 20 times longer than anything else. It's like, but it was cool and I thought of it. So I wanted to be in. And it's like, 
most of the time when you do things like that, when you you kind of get to that decision and you're like, do I need this? Should I not? You know, often, not always, but often when you're at that position and you go ahead with it, it ends up being a big mistake and you end up regretting it or wasting loads of time on it or whatever. And is like, that's from my small scale music video making and even uh. podcasting. So, but I think that also there are so many cool things I know in music or spin-off shows or whatever. There's a lot of cool things that get created where you go, this idea doesn't work here, but let's folder it away and maybe something will come up that we can use it in. And I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I suspect maybe with the uh, the memoir thing that's coming up, there might be elements of stuff that you didn't use in Reburn that might be secretly being put into there to make... Yeah the two separate things stronger like an idea not working in one thing doesn't mean it's not a good idea sometimes it is sometimes it's a crap idea but often it means it can be used elsewhere i think that there is no and this is a conversation i've had with a bunch of different writers like there's no such thing as waste mm-hmm. which is also kind of like goes with the preciousness i think when i was younger and greener it was like if i'm not using it now it's waste you know but yes that it can get used later I, and I did want to say this about like the essential things that Reburn has or any piece of creative work that I write has. Those essential things, the irony is if you're working with the right people, they never question them. They never want you to change them. They never think, what about this? Those things are never on the table. And not because I say they're not, it's just because they're not. Because <laughs> they're narratively necessary or that's why we're all there for this thing you know, but the other stuff is extraneous or details or better done or crafted by someone else, you know, and, and if you're in my two cents, if you're in a collaborative space, you should collaborate. Like, what are you doing? If you're not doing that? Yeah, that's my opinion. Yeah. And I think part of that is finding it's actually from the get go trying to find the right pairs, the, the right partnerships, because I think that there are some people who just like they're not quite together. It doesn't mean they're mm-hmm. bad creatives or that like everything that they make as individuals is bad, you right. know, but like maybe that together they just can't, they're not on the same page for some reason, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's like you have to be kind of discerning that about the projects you take on or the partnerships you enter into. And, you know, that's a big part of, I think, like in the film industry for like actors who they have agents who this is their job to find the right projects that represent them, you know, or and won't like totally ruin their image in and make it un them un hireable again you know um I, the same is true on the small scale of like comics as well and I, i've definitely felt it and it was a le- hard lesson to learn that like oh don't just like shotgun your skills and be like i could do anything because you're like you want work you know like be discerning like what are you actually about so that you attract the right kinds of um collaborators or the right kinds of people who want want to see your work you know the right audience I agree. And I also think you have to ask yourself, like, what is it costing you? You know, like if you do take on a job just for money or, you know, is it giving you something beyond that or is it taking something from you? And I think it's so hard to have those conversations because we live in a capitalist society. And, and so money is always the thing, right? So if you're getting paid a lot of money, it's worth it. But I have found from experience that if I don't like, honestly, zealously sort of guard my voice no one else is going to do it for me like that's my job so i don't want to be around people who are telling me it's not worth it 
no matter what they're paying me, because I won't be able to continue. And I want to have longevity and I want to keep doing this. And so it's in my best interest to to defend myself or to be proactive about what I do and don't want in my creative collaborations. And and I don't think people talk about that enough because everyone is just like, I want to get paid. And I get that because that is important. But if it ends up costing you more on the back end, was that paycheck really worth it? You know, because I have definitely been in situations where something cost me a lot on the back end and it took me a long time to recover from it. And they did, I definitely didn't get paid enough. <laughs> right. You're like, you're like, oh yeah, you get this paycheck right now, but then like, is most of it going to go to therapy bills down the line? <laughs> right. Or just like, you aren't creating anything because you feel worthless. You know, like you're just completely stuck. Um, which, you know, I've had that where you're just like, well, what's the point anyway? Like I was saying at the beginning, those are things I think almost every creative person who's not a narcissist struggles with. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of those lessons that I learn, um, like the value of money, which is something that you talk, every person values money completely differently. It's it's a very um, ambiguous topic, as it were. But like when I grew up, my parents had money when I was alive. They both grew up like dirt poor. Um, And my dad was a self-made man. He started his own business, blah, blah, blah. He made enough money and stuff. And I was comfortable when I was younger. And then when he passed away, I attribute that due to his money making because he ran his own business very successful but he worked every day of the week he worked on weekends he was you know always the office and that was fine he wasn't absent father or anything but i feel like he was still working like two months before his passing and he had cancer so he was going through chemo and still trying to go to work and still trying to make sure because he grew up so poor in a family of, he was the oldest of, I think, four siblings. They had no money at all. And he always said to me when I was growing up, if you had any school trips you want to go on or anything, we'll make it work because I couldn't go on any. And I realized as I grow older, he put the, his whole value system was basically money and family. That was, everything else was just second. And obviously that benefited me to some degree, but in the long term, that kind of, I view it as losing a father due to him not being able to let go of the value of money and needing to provide. And that was a weird lesson for me growing up of being like, where do I want to go with my career? You know, I don't earn as much as uh, most of my friends, really, but I don't I don't take my work home with me. I just work nine to five. Everyone I work with is nice. I'm happy with that. You know, I don't, when I was younger, I was like, I want to be a manager and then a director and I want to, and now I'm like, I do not want any extra responsibility because I see what you managers do in your free time. I see you getting calls on a Saturday and losing, you know, getting to spend time with the family. It's like, I am not doing that. So even hearing you speak about that on a completely sort of seemingly separate uh, idea and separate topic, it really rings true to just everything encompassing. Any conversation about Reburn or anything in Reburn has so much more uh, tells on the whole of life. And that's one of the important things why everyone needs to pick up these comics because they're amazing. <laughs> Thank you. And if this conversation with these two and also, you know, the conversation I had with Alison, uh, it was actually in April, I think it was, which was is it? really weird. It feels like it was weeks ago. And I was scrolling through. I was like, when was this conversation? As it is on my podcast feed somewhere. And then I found out. I was like, April? Was that, was that how long ago it was? So, you know, if people aren't already convinced by that conversation and this conversation, then I don't know what else we can tell them. But um, 
we will uh, start to wrap up here. Uh, it was delightful speaking with both of you. So I'm going to lift up the four Rebound comics I have, and the glare is going to be awful, but I want to show them off because they are all just fantastic. And I'm just so thrilled when you did the Kickstarter. I was like, please let me get four of them. Please ship them to the UK and let me get a digital copy because I, I really don't want to open these. And so it's just these the artists for them, the and artwork. And all these covers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I have done them in the right order. Sorry, it's because I do my thing not mirrored. It's just doing it with me. I'm, my left oh. hand doesn't move when my left hand does because of that. The there we go. I just did it again. The genuine chit chat thing there. See, it looks mm -hmm. like I'm a moron. I can't figure out what I'm doing. <laughs> and then there's the lovely final cover. So. You know, it's someone a, has wings. What I know, <laughs> what's that about? Well, you need to pick up the issues to find out. Um, but, you know, thank you so much both for coming on the show. So, final sort of thoughts thank and you. things. It's it's been a delight, Alison. It's always great to find an excuse to speak with you. Is it you like weeks after we spoke? I was like, can I talk to Elise? And you're like, I'll talk to her. We'll we'll see if we can get something in the calendar. And they was like September maybe. I was like, yes. And it's been, I was really looking forward to this conversation. It's been delightful. But um, before I hang up the call and finish recording or anything like that, uh, please, any final sort of words and statements and also tell people where they can find you. I'll include links in the description and whatnot. Um, Elise, I'll come to you first this time. So any final statements, anything you want to tell people. And obviously I'll include links in the description anyway, but yeah, anything else? Yeah, I mean, I just, it's been a great chat and, you know, I love this, this comic. It's, it was a real uh, great project to have during the pandemic, like we mentioned, because, you know, having a project or some sort of place to put out your creative energy, whether it's like creative anxiety or, you know, joy, it's just, it's a beautiful thing to, to have something to go to, to, to put your, yourself a little bit of yourself into. Um, and, you know, you can always find me on uh, my website. It is www.elisemccall.com. It'll probably be included in the, you know, link below. Um, but yeah, I'm, you know, just making stuff. That's that's what I'm doing. <laughs> Yay. Making stuff. Uh, yeah, you can find me on my website or on Instagram. And you can order copies if you're digital or physical. Uh, I don't think they're on our website yet, but you can email us at reprintcomic at gmail.com if you want to order things that are not available on the website. And um, I agree with everything Elise said. I love that Mike wanted to have us on because I always enjoy talking to Elise. And um, the work of Reburn obviously was important to me during the pandemic, but also just creating this relationship this friendship um is is also incredibly meaningful to me because i elise and i just like have a, a bond like we have some of these same shared experiences and the way that we look at those experiences and and um it's it's rare it, it came about so kind of magically that I think there are times when it can feel like, oh, you know, it's not this like orchid, this unicorn, but it is. And I'm grateful for it. And um, and I do really love the comics. And we're currently looking for a publisher, but even if we don't find one, we do plan to continue. And we have a lot more stories to tell. And if you read the comics, I'm sure Mike can attest, like there's a lot more to explore. It's a big, big world. Um, and... I'm just like thrilled that we did it. It's it's kind of like it it sinks in over time. I think it's it's a big thing we did. Yes, yay! And you did an incredible job. You know, it's okay. one of those things where Thank you. obviously I'm thankful that you made Reburn. A 
because I get some awesome comics and things, but also because I get introduced to you two lovely individuals. It's amazing. It's it's one of those things within these, especially independent collaborative projects come up and they go on mine or anyone else in Comics Emotions radar. I just love being able in any way to try and, even if it's a small amount, to amplify anything. So I will say, anyone listening, if you've got some spare money or anything like that, just laying around, you know, we're not in crisis across the world. Everyone's got loads of money. Just come and have everything. Um, but really, if you treat yourself and get reburn it is fantastic and it will help fund more All four issues things. digitally 15 dollars. so it's go. not an you know it's not an extreme amount of money it's no. more than coffee though <laughs> i mean yeah but you know coffee is kind of gone immediately you know that's how i kind of pitch my patreon a lot of the way i'm like you know right. one starbucks coffee is about four to five months of uh weekly bonus content on my patreon so yeah plugging myself on where we're trying to talk That's about right. your stuff as you should <laughs> no you should yeah <laughs> but yeah thank you both for uh obviously and also thank you to jessica and obviously hillary yes. and everyone else who's involved in yes. reburn uh, of Draw being that. able to make this exactly and be able to make this come to light you know it's it's an incredible comic and yeah as allison said that the the world itself i was secretly hoping when i finished it i was like I want them to do another Kickstarter so I can just give, just throw my money at you because I want more of this, more in the world of Reburn, more by you two creative individuals and anything related to that. And I, I attest, people, go pick this up, go check it out. And if you're still not convinced, listen to me talk with Alison about it before. Listen to Alice, uh, Alice, Alison, Rhea and Tony talk about it in the Comic Spotlight. A link to that will be there as well. Just listen to every conceivable thing you can. And if you really can't afford Reburn, just share it everyone get everyone else to do it because we need this we need this it's one of those just amazing things that uh didn't know we needed it until we got it so just thank you both once again it's been delightful thank you mike thank it's you been a delight and that's the end of the conversation thank you so much for listening as always my friends as i said in the intro make sure you check out elise and allison's websites in the description check out the reburn comic if you haven't already try and support indie comics it's a very important thing to do and also i can confirm that the comics are brilliant definitely worth reading so please consider checking that out and you can also hear allison's first appearance on genuine chit chat on episode 159 if you so desire i've also included a link in the description to allison's appearance on femme on film to discuss discuss sex scenes as well as with Tonya and Rhea and Rhea actually submitted a question for this conversation you might have heard it towards the end there so even more reason to check that out Alison also appeared on film on film previously and if you want to find out about that go on to the link in the description listen to that episode that I put there and then in that episode they also talk about Alison's other appearances as well as her appearances on the Ms. Marvel discussions and there are going to be more collaborations with her in the future so my friends what else have we got coming up well next week is likely going to be a conversation with someone called ike um ike has got a podcast called ike's flame i went on his show to talk about star wars the high republic and now he's coming on this show uh, to talk about more star wars stuff so next week is going to be a nice big star wars conversation so i'm looking forward to that the week after that i'm planning on recording another disney discussions episode with ria megan and spider dan and this time it's megan's pick so we're choosing four disney pixar movies we're each choosing one that we like and we're going to speak 
speak about those specifically. Then after that, I've got a conversation recording due with Elise McCall from this conversation. So when we spoke prior, as in on this conversation, there's a lot of artwork questions that weren't specifically relevant to Alison or to Reburn that I held back on. So I've got a lot of very interesting notes. I'm very intrigued to speak with her. And if you want to get like a little preview of the kind of things we're going to be speaking about, make sure you check out her website, elisemccall.com, where she's got loads of her artwork there, some painting, some pencil work, some other stuff. They're all incredible. And that's going to be the sort of the jumping off point of our conversation there. So make sure you check those out too. There are other things in the pipeline, but they are the only things I can talk about because either they're returning guests or I'm certain they're going to be going ahead and things. So very excited for those to be released. But what else have I been involved with? Well, quite a few things. So I mentioned Disney discussions. So myself, Megan, Spider-Dan and Rhea Carrigan do Disney discussions every couple of months. And the most recent one that got released got released just on Friday. So only a couple days ago. And it was the four of us talking about some weird Disney films that Disney don't even want you to see. You can't even watch them on Disney+. Plus. So that is Dragon Slayer, something wicked this way comes and watcher in the woods they're all varying degrees of quality but you have to hear our thoughts on those in that discussion a link is in the description it is on the feed of spider dan and the secret balls it can be listened to on a podcast app or on his youtube channel in addition to that, myself and Megan were on the weekly discussion show of She-Hulk. It is airing on the feed of Comics in Motion, just like my Star Wars show does. And on episode 7 is actually where myself and Megan are on there, uh, with Tonya Todd and Spider-Dan. So if you want to hear our thoughts on that episode of She-Hulk, check that out. A link is in the description. I also appeared on Frank Burton's I Like the Sound podcast. I was on the first episode of the second season. So for any of you audiophiles out there who like hearing what kind of sounds I like, and you want to hear some of those sounds as well, make sure you check out that podcast too it's a lot of fun and frank burton will be coming on genuine Churcher over the coming months because he's got a new book out that i'm currently listening to so i'll be talking to him about that in the future but that is all there is for the time being, my friends. Make sure you follow me on social media at Genuine Chit Chat. Make sure you rate and review this. You can rate on Spotify. You can review on Apple Podcasts or on Good Pods, anywhere like that. Sharing on social media really, really helps the show out. Telling all your friends about it and things. Spreading the love of Genuine Chit Chat. It means the absolute world to me and it really, really helps the show out. In addition to that, obviously make sure you check out my Star Wars show. A link's in the description to that. I tackle Star Wars comics and I make the show in a specific way where you never have to pick up a Star Wars comic in your entire life to enjoy it. I specifically tailor the shows to people who haven't picked up a Star Wars comic before, but they also serve as great refreshers if you have already read the comics in which I speak about. And if you want to support the show even more and get additional bonus content, you can go over to patreon.com slash genuine chit chat. For as little as £1 a month, you'll get access to hours and hours of additional content. Myself and Megan doing Afterthoughts. We've done Tom Hanks rewatch. Uh, we've done, I think we're on like the eighth film now or something like that. We've just done Apollo 13, so I'll be releasing that very soon. And we've also started our yearly horror film binge watch. So every October, well basically throughout the year, we don't really watch that many horror films. I love horror films. Megan isn't as much of a fan of them. But oddly enough, in October, she's 100% down to watch loads of horror films so I just try and cram as many in as possible last year we watched a lot of the Halloween movies as well as things like Get Out and other sort of heavy hitters in either the thriller or horror genre and this year we've just written another list we're going to watch the four Scream movies we've also got another Jordan Peele movie Us that we want to watch we want to watch the Happy Death Day movie uh, we also haven't seen Hocus Pocus I know they're not horror films but they're like Halloween themed films so we're going to watch the, the two Hocus Pocus movies as well and there's lots of other cool things too so please make sure you go 
over to patreon.com slash genuine chitschat and you'll get access to hours and hours and hours of additional content from both myself and Megan that you can't hear anywhere else and you help support the show. So that's enough from me, my friends. Thank you so much for listening. As always, I appreciate all of you listening, especially all the way up to the very end. Please support the show in any way you see fit and tell all your friends about it as it really helps out. And I'll talk to yourselves next week with my conversation with Ike about Star Wars. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.